Awesome. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the healthcare leadership session. Um, my name is Wilson Toe, and I help drive the global, uh, global business development efforts here uh, at AWS, specifically dedicated to healthcare. And I wanted to welcome you all today. You know, it's always great to see everyone at, Re at reInvent. For me, it's personally, it's somewhat of a reunion because there's a lot of familiar faces in the audience, you know, just with all the work that we've done together over the past year. And it's great to see a lot of new faces as well. You know, we share that common, uh, the common focus in, in what we're doing in the healthcare space because I'm pretty sure everyone in this room has that common, common goal of you know, wanting to improve healthcare, wanting to improve the lives of those around us. And so today I'll be speaking a little bit about innovation-driven healthcare and sharing a little bit with you around some of the efforts around across AWS about what we've been doing over the past year and what we're doing moving forward. And before I begin, I wanted to showcase a video in terms of you know, how we're, we're seeing the world and what we've been doing today. Audio issues there. It's an awesome video, don't worry, guys. <laughs> but it pretty, it pretty much it covers, you know, you know, across the entire spectrum of healthcare, whether it's on patients, whether it's providers, as well as healthcare insurance companies or payers, you know, there's been a lot of efforts that we've been driving across the board in order to help simplify a lot of the processes that organizations are looking to do um, with regards to data. And so whether it's around consumer health, whether it's around you know, insights and um, data-driven decisions that have been made, um, a lot of the data decision initiatives that organizations have been pushing through, you know, a lot of it has been connecting the dots between a number of these organizations in order to help drive what's possible. And so using services across the board, they're able to not only have a better sense of what's going on across all the different complex data sets that they're, that they're um, engaged with today, but how they're able to map that all together and enable, to help enable and drive what they're trying to do globally. And so across these different data sets, you know, it's really honing in on, with regards to each of the patients, you know, what are the type of, um, types of drugs, what are the type of dosages, what are the types of uh, initiatives around patient engagement that are able to ultimately influence what patients are able to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And these, it's these types of innovations that really drive um, what we're able to achieve, not only from a technology perspective, but you know, with the work that we're doing with our customers as, as well as with our partners. You know, there's a lot going on in, in which we can be proud of here across the industry. So a lot of the topics that we'll be covering today really start piecing together the foundation and setting the stage for a number of the discussions that you'll be having, not only today in the, in the various healthcare sessions, but across the entire week in, in the types of uh, conversations and chalk talks and breakout sessions that you'll be engaged in. And so it's really around three things. You know, what we've done to date across 2018 and highlighting some of the things that we've been able to build together as an industry and community here. The second is you know, looking across the entire spectrum of what's happening in 2018, sharing back with you some of the things that we've been seeing across the industry. And lastly, something to look forward to. You know, what does the continued de dedication in healthcare look like for 2019 for AWS? And being able to work together in order to help build that and make it possible across the board. And so as we look across healthcare and AWS, I think it really summarizes it quite well when we look at you know, that steady progress that we've made to date. And fundamental to all of that and underlying all of that is you know, the notion that security continues to remain job zero for what we're doing across AWS. 
And so regardless of all the efforts that we've spanned on internationally, whether it's within Canada, whether it's in the UK, whether it's in Singapore, or even just here in the United States, you know, a lot of the investments that we've made have helped us secure a number of the certifications as well as accreditations from a global compliance perspective to help drive what we can achieve together at AWS. And so underlying and underpinning all of that are the you know, security enhan enhancements from over one million customers that use AWS, as well as the dedicated teams that help drive some of the security efforts on a 24-7, 365-day perspective. And what that means for everyone in this room is a security infrastructure that's built to satisfy healthcare and the healthcare industry. And that's important. You know, this is a very unique industry. We're heavily regulated. We have a highly complex environment that we work in today. And it's, it only makes sense that the investments that, that we make together here and the offerings and feedback and the uh, guidance that we provide are really helping inform how we can help better serve you as customers. And so one of the things that we'll be following this session is an actual um, architecting for healthcare compliance that I encourage you all to join because it really dives a little deeper into how you can have this manifest um, these concepts into the architectures that you're building out for your products and for your companies. And so as you look through all the feedback that we've been able to gather throughout the year, you know, one of the big things that I wanted to highlight is the fact that you know, the feedback that you've been providing helps guide what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, it's that customer obsession that we, we discussed quite a bit during the executive briefings or in terms of the engagements that we've gone on throughout the year. And you know, it really helps put together our perspective of how we can better serve you. You know, to date, in 2018, you know, we've worked in numerous capacities to help drive HIPAA-eligible services. And since January this year, we've launched 43 new HIPAA-eligible services to date. And so when you look across the grand picture, bigger picture and broader picture of what you're able to achieve there, there are 92 services in totality around how organizations are able to use these services to piece together innovative projects and initiatives across the board. You know, it's funny because in 2017, when we were, when we were having these discussions and I engaged with a number of you guys, it's been the case where, you know, what is the art of the possible if we had every single service that was HIPAA eligible and how that's changed? And now a lot of those concepts of, you know, what was possible is now being made possible through a number of these services. And a lot of that is driven by the engagements and feedback that you've been providing us as a community. And so, you know, a lot of thoughtful engagement, a lot of thoughtful um, initiatives that are being sprung up, and a lot of prototypes, and now products that are released to market because of these services. And so, you know, when we look across the broader picture of how we can continue to build on this momentum, you know, I look to you to see how you're able to take into account, you know, these services, um, being able to piece together, you know, what does it look like for that next stage for a lot of the products that you're building today in order to help and move and enhance and drive innovation within the industry today. When you look at some of the great examples of how healthcare organizations have been taking this into account, you know, we, are, we have some customers that are you know, piecing together and putting together new solutions in this space. So a great example of this is NextGen Healthcare. You know, NextGen has um, been primarily focused on enriching the ambulatory patient care experience. You know, and they do this through a number of engagements that they have across the board. You know, they have 7,000 clients and over 90,000 healthcare providers that they work with around the world. And they, you know, since the company uh, went all in on AWS, they've decided to move their legacy platforms onto AWS uh, while maintaining their HIPAA compliance. 
And as a result of that, they were able to see a number of performance improvements as well as some cost savings in which they were reinvesting into their company. Because at the end of the day, you know, we want to help, we want to help companies and customers with that undifferentiated value. That way they can focus on what really differentiates, differentiates them as companies in the healthcare space. And that's something to keep in mind as you kind of work through and evaluate and examine all the different sessions that you'll be attending today. You know, what makes your organization unique? And how do you want to go to market with your products and solutions in order to make that impact across healthcare? And as we take a step back and look at the broader picture of what we're doing, you know, not only from our customers, but also the partners that we work with. You know, we, 2018's been really about the growing set of partners in their ecosystem, not only growing in selection, but also growth in, the, in, in what the partners have been doing to date. And so as you look towards you know, the entire industry in, in and of itself, you know, I think it's well understood that it's not going to be a single vendor that's going to be solving all of healthcare's issues and problems and challenges. You know, it's going to be in partnerships that we're able to help address some of these issues. And so core to the mission of the uh, AWS Partner Network is to help piece together a number of these solutions in order to help drive change as well as solve solutions or bring solutions to solve these challenges in order to make a much more impactful uh, engagement there. And so the core mission of the APN program that many of you participate in today is really helping drive not only that business aspect, you know, whether it's funding programs or whether it's partner development activities or even on the technical side, you know, training assets as well as resources or certifications to help drive that better understanding of what's happening in the healthcare space and how you can make better use of it in order to help grow your business. And so, you know, the growth in selection as well as the growth in the number of partners that we've seen across the board have really helped highlight this um, in 2018. So I wanted to highlight a, a great example of one, uh, one of our partners today, and, and it's uh, Orion Health, you know, who recently achieved their advanced technology partner uh, tier at, on AWS. You know, or Orion Health is a uh, recognized leader in the healthcare space, providing cloud-based solutions to healthcare providers today. And they, they provide solutions ranging from integrations to interoperability to population health management systems to precision medicine, you know, all across the board. How are they able to impact care from that perspective? And they launched the, the Amadeus Population Health Platform uh, a little while ago, and they decided to move that into AWS and really transition their services as well as their offerings to help better scale their business. And so it's through channels and mechanisms and programs in the APM program that they were able to take advantage of in order to really drive change across their entire business. And so as of today, you know, Amadeus is not only able to help drive a population health management strategy for customers and healthcare organizations, but from a clinical perspective and from a clinical um, setting perspective, you know, providers now have access to not only claims data, but also clinical data. And they're now able to kind of piece that all together to have a better idea of you know, what's going on with my patient today. And how do I create and look at the appropriate interventions to better improve healthcare outcomes across the board? And that's going to be very important because as you look at each and every single one of those patients and take a bigger picture of what's happening broadly, you know, Ryan Health is really supporting thousands of clinicians over, and over 110 million patients that they're serving today. And that's across 15 countries. So that multiplier effect really impacts how we, we can examine healthcare and the impacts that we're able to drive in the business. And so, you know, that scalability and the, that elasticity to be able to handle not only, you know, 10 messages, but even with some of the um, um, customers that they're serving, over 200 or 2 million patient messages per day. It speaks volumes in, in terms of, you know, the types of value that they're able to see across their business as they're engaging and working very closely with their, um, with their customers. 
And it doesn't really stop there. You know, in 2018, we, we've made substantial investments in terms of the types of um, innovations as well as the efforts across the board in which healthcare companies are able to take advantage of um, tools like and platforms like AWS Marketplace. You know, we've continued to make it easier for organizations to be able to discover our partner's solutions and make it easier for them to, to really scale out and drive and accelerate down the path of where they want to go from a strategic perspective in order to grow their business and move down that path. You know, healthcare customers have been starting to examine and explore AWS Marketplace. I mean, there's 4,200 listings from over 1,200 um, ISVs that are out there today. And so they're piecing together and weaving together solutions in order to better um, take advantage of the mechanisms in place through AWS Marketplace in order to grow their business. And so when you look at it from a partner point of view, here's a channel in which they're able to scale out growth and have a channel in which they have a marketplace model to support yet another way in which they can um, take advantage of um, these investments that we've made to grow their business. But on the customer side, it really provides a simplified model in which you know, they're able to not only identify and discover new solutions, but also procure and deploy solutions. And what that means is, you know, from the customer point of view, it's a very simple process. Just like they're looking at any other software solutions, you know, how are they able to shop for that? How are they able to procure that? How are they able to deploy that in a, very, in a much more simplified manner? And you know, at the end of the day, once they're done with that, how are they able to look at a single, single bill across all the assets and across all the software solutions that they're deployed and really um, aggregate that all into a, a single view? And so that's kind of resonated very, very uh, well with customers, and they're taking advantage of that. You know, whether it's in solutions such as security or networking or storage, or even across um, industry-specific solutions like those in healthcare or life sciences. You know, we've we've seen uh, quite a quite a number of uh, activities happening and growth act happening um, at AWS Marketplace today. And so as we take a step back and look across you know, all the engagements that we've been involved in over the past year, you know, it's 2018, like I said, has been about progress and that progressive momentum that we've had um, in a number of these different areas, whether it's around security, whether it's around privacy, whether it's around HIPAA programs. But fundamentally, as we look at some of the challenges as well as the issues that healthcare organizations, whether from the healthcare payer side or the healthcare provider side, you know, these are things that you know, we as an industry can look at and examine together in order to provide the types of solutions that can help scale out the business there. So I really wanted to highlight a, a number of these, primarily because you know, these, are the things that when, uh, these are the things that customers are, are seeing today, and these are the pressures that they're experiencing today. And so when we look at you know, what healthcare payers specifically here are, are seeing and the opportunities that they're exploring, you know, a lot of it has been around what can I do with my data? It really starts there. And so you know, a number of key initiatives have been around implementing outcomes-based processes and refinement of population risk profiles in order to help have a better understanding of what's happening across their system. You know, the first one speaks to how they can maximize and um, manage utilization across their members while optimizing outcomes. You know, there, are better, there are new and improved processes in which they're exploring that today, and they really want to try to figure that out. The second around data has been around how they're able to take advantage of new data sets that are out there. You know, it's, it's, it's 2018 now. There's a number of different data sets that they're able to combine and look across the entire spectrum of, you know, what is available specific to a patient or a population to help make a better informed decision around some of the insights of um, how they're able to uh, maximize um, outcomes in their patient population that they're managing and some of the members in that space today. The third one has been around kind of payment integrity. 
And you know, if you think about it, $68 billion is the estimated um, amount of fraud and overpayment that's happening um, in the healthcare space today. And as a health plan and as a health plan industry, you know, a lot of folks are trying to figure out you know, what are the different ways that I can address this and get ahead of this? You know, is it detecting anomalies? Um, or is it looking at abnormal billing patterns? And that way I can get ahead of this in order to help reduce the amount of um, billing, um, fr billing fraud or payment that's happening across the industry. Lastly, you know, a number of healthcare plans are also looking at, you know, as I am revisiting my member engagement strategies, how do I increase member satisfaction and reduce member fluidity across the different health plans? You know, I think a number of us are probably part of, part of this uh, uh, scenario where, you know, as we change employers or as we examine health plans, you know, we'll jump around. And that's the reality of it. And so uh, health, uh, health plans and payers are looking for new ways in which they're able to build that relationship and shift it from a transactional one to one where they can build relationships now and have that deeper engagement. And so a number of these manifest themselves in a, a, a series of industry initiatives across the payer space. And a lot of that is really helped to mapped back to those, those specific industry pressures. So you know, first and foremost, they're revisiting and reinventing what the member experience looks like. You know, I think you know, it's, uh, it's well understood that they want to get away from sending out a, um, a packet of information and hope that uh, each of their members kind of get it. And they really want to build that dialogue and build that engagement in order to help grow the partnership and relationship that they have with each of them, um, with each of them today. And so they're looking at it from a kind of a two-pronged approach. You know, from an inbound engagement perspective, they're leveraging um, technologies such as Amazon Connect to be able to scale out a lot of the discussions. And you know, I'll go through some of the examples of how organizations such as the NHS are, are using. Um, inbound uh, engagement strategies to help address a number of the core issues around uh, member satisfaction and how they're engaged today. The second one has been around leveraging um, solutions such as Amazon Pinpoint, in which they're able to look at, you know, what is the digital engagement strategy for outbound engagement that they're able to participate in today? You know, a lot of it is, isn't just about mailers anymore. You know, what are the SMSs? What are the uh, emails that I want to send out? You know, what is the type of information that we as consumers and members of these health plans want to receive, and when do we want to receive it, and what type of information do we want to receive. It's really around a, a much more multi-pronged, kind of multi-channel engagement strategy that they're able to create now. The second one has been around claims adjudication, and really addressing that payment integrity issue. And so as you have looked across the entire board of you know, how are we able to drive transparency as well as accountability and auditability across the entire spectrum of a claims process, you know, there are a number of initiatives that organizations are going through today to try to help spearhead um, some of the growth and, and activities there. So a few months ago, um, Change Healthcare announced that they are looking at uh, a blockchain initiative uh, across their intelligent healthcare network. And a lot of that is really gonna be centered around, you know, on AWS, how do I provide that immutable, auditable record across an entire claims process? And how am I able to drive auditability and transparency across that, regardless of whether you're a healthcare payer or a healthcare provider, understand you know, where's the direction in which we're able to grow from there. And so um, Change Healthcare is, is really starting to push that forward. And you know, on top of AWS, they're able to scale that growth and be able to provide those services across the board today. So I encourage you guys, if you have a chance, to you know, check out their session 
because they're really going to be diving a little deeper into that and provide a little bit more information on you know, how that will work and be able to showcase the value of how it's going to change the industry from that perspective. And lastly, as I mentioned before, across all the different data sets that organizations have today, you know, how are they able to have a better perspective of what's going on with the members that they're, they're uh, taking care of? And a lot of it is around exploring the different data sets that are available. You know, it's not only going to be clinical data and claims data that are going to be important anymore. When we look across all the different social determinants of health, it's going to be important for organizations to take those into account, whether it's social data, whether it's any sort of patient-generated health data, genomics data. I mean, all of that is going to be important and crucial for how we, we as an industry and how healthcare payers are going to be evaluating health, um, the health and health status and health risk of a patient. And so we're seeing a lot of growth in these areas, and a number of partners are starting to kind of piece together solutions to help address a number of these issues, you know, change health care being one of them. And as you look across uh, a number of these initiatives, you know, we're going to start seeing um, much, a much greater manifestation of solutions being able to address some of these issues in 2019. In parallel, a lot of the efforts um, on the provider side is also taking shape in terms of the industry pressures that they're facing. And a lot of that is really focused around you know, value-based care. 54% of hospital CEOs <clears throat> still see that the transition from volume to value-based care is probably one of the biggest financial challenges that they're seeing today. And you know, it's, this isn't a new concept, but it is something that you know, they've struggled to find solutions for. And they're starting to see you know, what is that type of solution that they need to put in place in order to address these issues. The second has been around just data volume in general. You know, I think the past few, few years, they've been um, heavily focused on understanding how to manage data from gigabytes and petabytes. But you know, it's not too soon in the future that we'll be dealing with zettabytes of uh, data. And so they're looking heavily on solutions in which they're able to kind of put that together and piece it together in order to have a better informed decision and insights across the patient populations that they're managing, especially as they're looking at uh, value-based care. The third has been around you know, keeping, keeping up with the pace of technology and the innovations that are happening in that space. You know, I think um, across a number of healthcare technologies, um, as partners are taking advantage of the pace of innovation that AWS brings to the table, they want to be able to pull that into their health systems to be able to address a number of the issues that they see across the board as they're looking at you know, payment reform or improvements in overall uh, cost or outcomes in care. And so solutions like what we're able to bring to the table together from a, a partnership perspective really help drive this, um, drive this home for a number of healthcare organizations. And then lastly, as many of you guys all know, from a security perspective, these are issues that are always top of mind for healthcare organizations. You know, the value of data is, is impressive, and a lot of organizations are being targeted for, um, for attacks, whether it's you know, hacking, whether it's malware, various practices in which they are looking to organizations, whether it's from a cloud service provider or looking at partners to help protect their data. And so this is going to be key and important because this is an ongoing issue that's, you know, very um, strikes a fear in, in a lot of organizations today. And so when we look across a number of the industry initiatives for the healthcare providers today, you know, I think precision medicine is really shifting um, the course for how the engagement opportunities are happening across the board for, for healthcare um, providers. You know, when we're looking at um, precision medicine and how it's taken shape over the past uh, few years, a lot of it has been in, you know, an R&D setting or an academic research setting. And that's starting to flip the bit a little bit more. 
and they're looking for ways, and they have seen ways and are putting together ways in which it, is, it can actually be practiced in clinical care. And so when we look across the industry, it's really taking shape in, in terms of solutions for you know, how does clinical genomics look like and how does that impact what I'm doing from a day-to-day -day basis with my patients. Or when I look at you know, uh, in collaborations with life sciences companies, you know, how do I look at digital therapeutics and how do I provide a way and mechanism in which I can capture information back to my patient, back from my patient to the healthcare provider in order to help a better, have a better informed view of what's going on there. And so there's these cross-industry collaborations are starting to take shape more and more and more, and this is happening globally. You know, it's, it's going to be the case where, you know, when we're looking at patients and their treatment plans, you know, it goes back to that concept of what is that right drug at the right dose at the right time for the right patient? You know, everyone in this room is, is, is unique in that sense. And so we want to make sure that, you know, from a technology perspective and a solutions perspective, we're able to help provide and enable solutions that will help address issues like that. Secondly, around you know, the deployment of new solutions to enable outcomes-based care. When you look at all the legislative and as well as regulatory changes that are happening in the industry, you know, for solutions that are primarily focused on outcomes-based care, such as you know, MACRA, for example, you know, it's, it's enticing and, and, uh, and requiring a number of healthcare organizations to not only collect but also analyze and report on a number of these solutions from a quality measurement perspective in order to drive growth and drive outcomes-based approaches for how they're dealing with their, their customers as well as their patients today. You know, and when you look at it broadly across the, across the board from a technology and solution point of view, they're looking for ways of catching up with this. As I mentioned in the previous slide, they're being pressured to look at data as a whole, but also how do you keep up with the pace of innovation with regards to some of the tools that are available and that's out there. And so they're looking for ways to engage with everyone in this room to help address some of those issues. And lastly, when you look at you know, concepts around modernization of medical systems, you know, it's, it goes back to the, the concept and notion that because of so much uncertainty that's happening on the legislative and regulatory side in the markets, a lot of organizations are, are starting to, to use this time to actually explore new technologies. That way they can be more agile. They can take advantage of technologies and tools that are available to help drive any sort of change that they need to meet moving forward. And so from a concept perspective, you know, they're looking at you know, moving to the cloud, exploring cloud technologies, being able to work with industry ISVs and partners for, from AWS to help drive some of the change, changes there. And so, you know, what better way to look at some of the in engagements and as well as some of the innovations that are happening in the market than to hear from one of our customers themselves. So I'd like to welcome on stage uh, Dr. Adam Berger uh, from UPMC. So Adam, um, uh, where did he go? Oh, there he is. <laughs> After getting his PhD from Carnegie Mellon, uh, Adam actually started two healthcare um, or mobile uh, software uh, companies, uh, Eisel as well as Penthera. And about three years ago, he actually moved uh, over to UPMC to help drive um, a team of about 100 software professionals in exploring new areas and spinning up new companies in the areas of precision medicine, clinical decision support, uh, risk modeling, and imaging. So welcome on stage. We'd love to hear a few thoughts from you and you know, share your experiences with the audience. Thank you very much, Wilson. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey there, everybody. Um, first, 
If you'll indulge me, I'd like to introduce UPMC to everybody who doesn't know who, what UPMC is. Uh, that's my home institution. That's where I come from. Um, we're based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're about 41 hospitals now and counting. Um, we've been on a growth spurt recently. Um, we have about 86,000 employees. We're, as I said, based in Pittsburgh. However, our footprint goes through Pennsylvania and even up into New York, and um, including facilities and operations in far-flung places like Italy, uh, Ireland, um, China, and of course my favorite, Kazakhstan. Um, that's true. Um, we have um, both a payer and a provider. Um, in other words, we're an integrated system. So. Um, we have about three and a half million lives under coverage in the, on, the, on the insurance side of our business, and we, have, we see about that same number of patients, roughly speaking, through our clinics and our hospitals. I like to say, because we're a payer and a provider, and we have been for a long time, about 20 years now, that we were doing value-based uh, care before it was cool. Now, this is a slide that I'm contractually obligated to show every time I'm in an audience that's not from Pittsburgh, and it's a little bit about uh, the Hall of Fame of uh, some of our leading lights. Um, from left to right, Jonas Salk was uh, affiliated with UPMC way back in the middle of the 20th century, um, invented a cure, to a cure for uh, polio. That was important. Peter Saffer, a little more recently, um, basically was the father of modern CPR and that golden hour of medicine um, um, and, and, and care right after an emergency um, when it care is so, is so important. He was sort of innovated a lot in that space. And lastly, Tom Starzl, who was really the father of modern organ transplantation, performed the first mo um, um, uh, living um, uh, uh, liver transplant. And even to this day, we maintain his legacy at UPMC. We're um, uh, pretty uh, dominant in the area of um, performing uh, live uh, organ transplants. Um, or live uh, donor organ transplants. And so you'll see commercials, TV commercials, no matter where you are, even if you're not in P Pittsburgh, um, saying, come to Pittsburgh, come to UPMC, and, and get a new organ if you need one. Now, within UPMC, I work at a pretty special place. We call it a pirate ship, or I do. Um, and it's a pirate ship because there's about 200 of us, and we think about what healthcare will look like 10 years down the road, 2028, I guess. Seems like a long time away. Um, what, what the world will look like in terms of healthcare then, and then we kind of work backwards given those hypotheses of what we think the world's gonna look like, and we try to invest in companies, technologies, products, build new businesses that will get us there and get us there quicker. That's what we do at the pirate ship I work at. It's called UPMC Enterprises. So let's talk a little bit about that. Healthcare today versus healthcare in 2028, in 10 years. Today, as I'm sure all of you know, healthcare is very subjective, highly variable. Same patient with the same condition go to 10 different doctors, get three different diagnoses and eight different care plans. And they, they could all be right in different ways. We're trying to create using clinical decision support tools, um, and we've invested in a company that does this, and we're building it up, um, consistent, reliable, best practice-driven clinical care across our system, no matter who the, um, the attending physician is who's caring for that patient. Healthcare today, it's reactive. You, it treats you after you get sick, okay? You come to the doctor, you say, I've got a problem, X, and they treat you. We're trying to move towards preventive or proactive medicine. We want to treat you before you get sick. We want to, for example, just one example, we want to be able to determine, you look like you have a disproportionate probability of getting uh, or um, contracting macular degeneration. We're going to start putting you on eye drops now rather than waiting until you get that. 
okay? Today, and I want to talk a little bit about more, more about this later, it's, uh, healthcare is full of, and this personally offends me as a computer scientist by background where I'm a huge believer in automation where possible, full of manual labor intensive work, okay? We want to move clinicians up the stack. We want to use AI, we want to use NLP, we want to use chatbots, we want to use other forms of automation to let clinicians do what clinicians ought to do, okay? Clinical care shouldn't be so dominated by um, tedious manual work. And I'm going to talk a little more about this later. The question is, how do we get from here to there quickly? And I can tell you one thing we're not going to do. We're not going to rip and replace all of our legacy IT systems, our EMRs, our imaging systems, PACs, limb systems, our revenue cycle systems, we're, they're ensconced and embedded into the workflows, clinical and otherwise, in our systems, and we're not going to replace them. Not anytime soon. We depend on them. So what can we do? I want to introduce what we've developed at UPMC, and which we're working with partners, including AWS and others, on what we call our HCOS, Healthcare Operating System. Now, to talk about each cost, the way I like to introduce it is through an analogy, okay? And the analogy I'm going to use, and it's a loose analogy, is with the travel industry. The travel industry has lots of proprietary airline hotel inventory systems for ticketing and so forth, okay? And had them for years and years and years. And yet, we have great consumer experiences like TripAdvisor, Travelocity, Kayak, and I've used Expedia a lot. They're all great user experiences, and they're, the, way that, the way that they were able to innovate and develop so quickly is this middleware layer called GDS, which is basically, it's the Sabres, it's the Galileas. If you're familiar with the travel industry, or even if you're not, it's what we call a platform. And I, and I know a lot of people in healthcare and elsewhere use that term loosely. I'm using it in the specific sense of an abstraction layer, set of interfaces that um, allow applications to be developed on top of legacy or other systems and provide APIs to allow that, allow that to occur, interacting with the data in those lower level systems, okay? So that gives us a backdrop to mapping it back over to healthcare. Let's talk about HCOS now. So on the bottom layer, you have uh, traditional transactional systems. These are imaging, these are electronic medical record systems, these are billing systems, and so forth and so on, okay? And they form the basis for our day-to-day -day operations in modern healthcare, health delivery systems. What we've done with HCOS is we've built a layer, a platform that sits on top of that. And I'm gonna break that down into the three pieces that you can see there. There's a data platform, which is where we st store or access all of our data documents, images, discrete clinical data, uh, genomics, um, multimedia data, okay? We have on top of that a tools layer which does things like patient identity. How do I know the, the patient referred to in this image, okay, is the same as the patient referred to in that document or that claim? Those of you in healthcare, and I know a lot of you are, know this is a surprisingly subtly difficult problem, okay? Um, we'll talk a little bit about indexing in this, in this tools layer, and we'll talk about it later as well, where we take some of that uh, data in the lower level, layer of the documents, we pour them into something like a Lucene or Elasticsearch index, and therefore it allows us to more easily search um, across all of these documents, all of these patient charts. And there's other things around data governance, so forth, in the, in the middle layer. And on the top layer, you see it says processing. For me, as a computer scientist, that's where my heart is, um, probably more than anywhere else. That's where you do NLP, 
and machine learning, you derive insights from that data. Okay, so that's in purple, that's HCOS. Now on top of that, we and others build applications. Now think back to what I said before, you've got your Expedias, you've got your Travelocities, you've got your, I don't know, Kayaks. This is the place you can innovate, and if HCOS is doing its job, innovate quickly, okay, without having to worry about, okay, does this imaging or EMR system support fire, does it support um, a population level search, does it support what have you, okay? In fact, I mentioned fire just now. For those of you familiar, we're huge believers at UPMC about the emerging standard of fire. We use that wherever possible. Um, um, we, we, we're, we're huge believers, and we're asking our vendors all to comply wherever possible with, with, uh, with fire. Of course, HL7 and RESTful interfaces in general, we believe represents the future of application development in healthcare. On the right, you'll see lots of third-party tools that we used for, the, to, for care and feeding for this system, which we've deployed um, uh, for things like business intelligence, uh, container, ma managing containers, um, security monitor, policy monitoring, and so forth. Okay, so now we're gonna zoom into one section of HCOS, which is the document section. I wanna tell you how we've deployed this at UPMC. Remember I mentioned we have several million patients who come through our doors every year, 41 hospitals. That represents a huge flow of clinical data. Within the document section of this HCOS platform, we at UPMC um, have historically about 180 million clinical notes. These are, and I'll talk a little bit about in a minute about what kind of clinical notes those are, but think about history and physical and discharge summaries and so forth. Anything that could be a free text document that would be generated in the, in the, um, in the course of clinical care. The, the, the flow of that is about 700,000 new documents per week that we pull in from many, many different systems. This slide is more to be um, looked at from a distance rather than parsed um, at the pixel level, so I apologize, you can't see the words, but this is a, a snapshot of some, one of the business intelligence tools that we use to basically show the um, visualize the shape and velocity and the size of our data. The, there's hundreds of sources that feed into HCOS, including EMRs and radiology, I mentioned pathology systems, lab systems, billing systems, right? So that's all re reflected here. Let's zoom in. This is just to show the documents. I mentioned this before. We have progress notes and communication and, this, and, and summarization, everything, cardiac studies, and again, any kind of free text document rolls into those 180 million clinical notes that we, we persist. And they could be originally created and sourced in lots and lots of different systems, okay? But they're all consolidated in this one, um, this one the, 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 the HCOS platform. And interesting, if you do a little bit of analytics on it, you'll see this won't come as anybody, it's a surprise to anybody here who's followed the healthcare industry for a while. Look how, how far back the documents go. They go to back to around 2009. That's when we essentially, we and pretty much every other health system in, in the United States started to really get into EMRs in a big way. And that was because of, not coincidentally, the 2009, there's some federal legislation, including the, the High Tech Act and the Medicare EHR incentive program, which basically paid physicians and physician practices and hospitals to start uh, 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 creating electronic medical records and persisting them. So you see from 2009 up, a, a, a gradual increase that reflects the, the growth of our system of the medical, uh, of, of the clinical notes and the data in our system. Okay. So what we did was we aggregated, and we are aggregating lots and lots of clinical data into this HCOS platform. 
Obviously, it's hosted in the cloud, it's secure, um, it's application developer friendly. So what? What are we doing with it now? So what I want to do next is tell you about and highlight two specific applications that we are building, we have built, um, that use this uh, for, for different purposes. And this is just a sample. We probably have about, I don't know, 10 to 15 different applications that are either being developed or already have been developed and deployed that use, that leverage the data and the um, functionality in HCOS. The first one I want to talk about is a clinical search engine. You might think of it as, I don't know, Google for the hospital. Um, it's a valuable tool for finding patients. You might need um, to generate a cohort for a clinical trial or a registry, for example. This is common work that people do all the time in hospitals. Data exploration for hypothesis testing as well. So what we do is we pour all those clinical uh, notes into, I mentioned before, Elasticsearch. Now, that, that may be the easiest part. What's, what's, what's a little bit non-trivial about this is just pouring clinical notes into a, a Lucene index and then slapping a website on top of it for searching, that's not that interesting. Where it's interesting is if you run natural language processing on those notes before you run the index, you get a much higher precision recall on your searches. Let me give an example of what I'm talking about here. Let's imagine that you're looking for diabetes patients for whatever reason, okay? So I can do a lexical search for the word diabetes. And I'll get some charts that come up with the, word di the term diabetes in them. But a lot of those are going to be false positives because it will, if you look at the broader context of that word, you'll see in the chart it says, and the physician might have wrote this, patient denies diabetes or patient's grandfather had diabetes. That doesn't mean the patient has diabetes. I don't want to pull that chart up if I'm looking for diabetic patients. Conversely, maybe the chart doesn't say diabetes at all. Maybe it just says insulin dependent. But I do want to pull that chart up because that's probably a diabetic patient. So running natural language processing, clinical natural language processing engine, which we do on every single one of these 700,000 notes that come in every week, um, allows us to generate insights and say, well, there's a negation in front of that term that's probably saying that's not diabetes or that th this is insulin dependent, but that that if you look at the ontology for diseases, that actually suggests diabetes. Okay, so we do all of that. That makes this search engine much, much more powerful than it otherwise would have been. So that's one application that we've built on top of HCOS. And here's a couple of examples of queries that you could run on top of this search engine if you were looking for a registry or you were looking for patients or what have you. All documents I'm looking for, for patients who have an unspecified cerebrovascular accident. Now let me talk about the second one, the second application that I want to talk about that we built on top of HCOS. This gets to this issue I talked about before, which personally offended me, which is around all of the menial work that we do that we wish we didn't have to do in a, in a large health system. And the, the specific kind of work I'm talking about now is chart abstraction. So by my estimate, back of the envelope estimate, we at UPMC, and I'm sure we're not unusual in this respect, spend over 10,000 hours, man hours a year, having uh, nurses and, and doctors, uh, clinicians, clinical informaticists, manually scanning through charts, looking for patients that fulfill or don't fulfill a certain query or cohort or uh, fall into a registry or fall out of a registry. So let me give an example. We might have to calculate for, from our health plan side, we might have to calculate the number of patients last year that we saw, Medicare Advantage patients that we saw who were over 50 years old who were recommended for a colonoscopy or who were not, okay? 
So we have to count through charts and, and come up with an estimate of that. We do that, we traditionally have done that manually. And boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that and streamline that and do that automatically. So what we've done is we built a tool here that basically runs natural language processing over the, those, that data that's embedded in HCOS, okay? And generates uh, a UI that abstractors can go through and quickly say this patient does fall into the cohort or doesn't fall into the cohort. Okay, and you can see, if, I know it's small font, but you can see highlighted in the chart, here's a note in the chart, maybe it's a discharge summary from six months ago that suggests the patient was referred for this you know, procedure or wasn't or whatever. Some evidence of, that they should or shouldn't fall into this registry. And it's an incredibly powerful tool. We've done some early measurements and it looks like it, it streamlines or reduces the amount of manual abstraction by up to 75%, which is a great result. So what that means is that instead of spending all of our time measuring, okay, we can spend more time intervening with patients, which is where we'd rather spend our time. So that's the end of our, my story, or all I want to tell you about right now, for what UPMC is doing as it's moving towards um, the future. And I want to thank Wilson and AWS for allowing us to share our story. Um, and I'll hand it back to you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. A lot of great work happening over at UPMC and across, you know, a number of our customers and partners. And, you know, I think this speaks volumes in terms of the types of innovations and the type of thought processes as organizations are working backwards from a lot of the issues that are coming up across these organizations today, you know. And, you know, I'd love to, to, to explore a bit more and open up the conversation um, moving forward around, you know, what are the types of things that we want to do together? And so that, that brings us to kind of the next and last session for section of our, our session here, and that's what does the continued dedication in healthcare in 2019 look like for AWS? And a lot of the, the feedback, as I mentioned, really helps inform what we're doing and the, the plans and the roadmaps that we're, that we're moving forward with in, a, um, in 2019. And you know, with that, as I mentioned before, you know, security continues to remain job zero for what we're doing here at AWS. And 2019, it's, it's no different. You know, a lot, of, a lot of folks have talked to us about high trust and what that means on AWS. And similar to how um, we here at AWS have a shared security model, you know, high trust is forming and developing a very similar shared responsibility program um, to which you know, AWS is, being, is, is an active contributor for it. And with that program, it provides that clear delineation of you know, from a user as well as a, cl a cloud service provider, you know, what are the different um, control responsibilities that each of these parties have? And that way, moving forward, you're able to take advantage of what those certifications look like moving forward. And so we're continuing to work in collaboration with healthcare, um, technology, as well as uh, information security leaders across the entire industry um, to support this, uh, this shared responsibility program. And you know, as it, especially as it pertains to what this common security framework looks like. And so that's something that I know a lot of you have been looking forward to, and it's something that you know, we're committed to helping you drive moving forward in 2019. So you know, looking forward to sharing more with you um, in the future and being able to help drive this, this sort of discussion moving forward. Secondly, you know, is our commitment to the partners and the partnership activities that we're driving across the board. And VMware being one, one great partner of, uh, that, that we've been working with across 2018 and something that we're going to continue working forward with in, in 2019. So as we look towards you know, how, are we, how are we making it easier for you as an organization to continue driving down the path that you are from a strategic perspective, you know, we're looking forward to ways in which we can combine um, 
the, the strengths between VMware as well as AWS to provide that operationally consistent as well as familiar way in which organizations can take advantage of running, managing, and securing applications as they're driving down these various scenarios. You know, it's not just the use cases that we start off with, but you know, the continued growth and investments that we're making to help drive these sort of areas where you as an organization are moving into. You know, whether it's you know, health systems that are starting to merge or you being able to ex extend a lot of your services from an on-prem environment into the cloud. You know, what is that stepping stone and what is that growth opportunity that you have in order to drive business without slowing yourselves down? And so you know, I encourage you all to take a look at the VMware sessions later today and this week to help drive a better understanding of you know, how does this apply to healthcare? Because there's a lot that's in there that we're able to solve for now. We want to continue to hear from you about in terms of the different other scenarios that we want to be able to help you solve for moving forward. Thirdly has been around you know, some of the foundational technologies that power healthcare. You know, as an organization, you know, we continue to work with our, our, with our partners as well as our customers to help drive this sort of uh, uh, growth in the types of solutions that are offered in the market. And so through our partner, uh, partner program, you know, we want to be able to power every aspect health, of healthcare solutions that are out there in the market today. So whether it's around data management and interoperability across data lakes, across how information is shared throughout the networks and health system, or around you know, analytics and being able to provide analytics from an administrative or operational or clinical perspective. You know, how does that manifest itself in the tools in which organizations are relying on to look at clinical systems or look at operational systems that help drive their business on a day-to-day -day basis? And so I think core to a number of these investments and in how companies are leveraging AWS, um, you know, they're using uh, new solutions and new capabilities to help enhance the products using machine learning and artificial intelligence. And that's something that we're going to continue making investments in moving forward. And I think you know, this quote really helps summarize what is the opportunity in which applied artificial intelligence can create a difference in, in healthcare. You know, applied artificial intelligence is now creating a more consistent, accurate tools that improve the ability to find and track diseases, identify optimal patient treatments, and ensure that these treatments are actually working. You know, all while reducing the physician workflow. That's always something that we all have to keep in mind, right? And it's, there's a, a large potential in how solutions are being created in order, in order to help address each of these issues that are identified here. And so there's a number of partners that have been building on top of AWS that have been layering in these types of capabilities and services in order to help drive growth and enhancements across their portfolio and stack today. Wanted to highlight Arteris as, as one key example of it. You know, so. Arteris uh, advances uh, cardiac visualization for uh, using deep learning in order to identify cardiovascular disease and uh, be able to provide that visualization from a blood flow perspective um, through, the image, uh, through images and uh, medical imaging visualization in order to enhance the experience for how MRIs are, are scanned and produced and visualized. And they were, they were able to leverage their deep learning models in order to reduce the time for medical images to be analyzed from 30 minutes to mere seconds using these uh, deep learning models. Another great example is you know, Butterfly Networks, combining hardware and software tools to help drive a lot of um, um, new ways in which they're able to produce a handheld whole body ultrasound system coupled with a cloud-based um, intelligent data and analysis platform that really provides a, a guided experience for any user to, to help drive growth and um, usage of, uh, of as, as they're being used for their patients. And so one of the, the fascinating things about you know, how, these, how hardware and software are being coupled together now is, are ways that it's impacting patient care. You know, it's really driving that accessibility and affordability across how 
clinical tools and medical tools can help achieve a new level of engagement as well as new product impact to how patients can be affected and impacted today. And the great thing about this is, you know, um, Butterfly Networks received FDA clearance on 13 indications for its intended use. So this is being used every single day now. Yeah. Lastly, as I mentioned earlier in the slide, you know, another great example of um, uh, how uh, Amazon Lex is being used um, within a healthcare system today is with the NHS. And so I, I believe that there's another session that, you know, again, I encourage you guys all to, to attend because it really dives a little deeper into, you know, what the NHS is doing to address call volume across their entire system. You know, every single year they receive about 5 million calls um, across, their, um, across their patient base. And a lot of them have been around um, very common questions around the uh, European, European health insurance card, or it could be as drastic as, you know, what do I do and where do I go? And so they were using Amazon Lex to help address and be able to answer some of the more commonly asked questions. And with that, they were able to, to facilitate about 42% of the, the incoming call volumes to help drive um, uh, uh, patient engagement paths to those commonly, commonly answered questions. And then let their staff, call center staff, address some of the more impactful ones that require human intervention. And so as a result of them using Amazon Lex, they were able to not only reduce call times, but also improve patient, uh, patient uh, satisfaction across the entire board. And so as you can see, there's a number of examples across machine learning and artificial intelligence that really help drive what's going on in the space. And 2019 is going to be no different than that. And so I wanted to share one more video with you um, around uh, one of our partners that, is, that are doing a lot in, in this space today in order to revisit what does patient engagement look like and how do we provide medical information as well as um, data back to patients. And that's with Babylon Health. Babylon's mission is to put an accessible, affordable healthcare into the hands of every human being on Earth. To do so, we have created a series of technologies that enable our users, wherever they are in the world, whether they are in a country as financially challenged as Rwanda or a country as rich and prosperous as the UK, to get their healthcare from the convenience of their mobile phone with a combination of artificial intelligence, but also talking to a doctor whenever they need to. The artificial intelligence stack we built sits on what is today the largest knowledge base in primary care medicine, 530 million strings of knowledge. That is then accessed through natural language processing so that our machine can talk naturally with our patients. It then takes all of that data and it infers, it does diagnostics, it does triage, and it tells the patient what is probably wrong with them by using probabilistic graphical modeling. It then uses predictive analytics to tell the patients what the future is planning out, assuming they follow the existing course of action. And it will then use deep learning and machine learning in order to be able to learn from every interaction it has with its patients. So having created an artificial intelligence stack that could do some of what the doctors can do, now we needed to get that into the hands of every person globally. Uh, for that, AWS was a natural partner of choice because of its scale. So AWS enabled us to distribute our servers globally. Imagine in the past, we had to have servers in spaces on our own. If we wanted to grow globally, we had to find those spaces one by one, place our own servers one by one. And what AWS has now allowed companies like us to do is to seamlessly globalize. And that is of a massive value to people of ambition.
So as you, as you can see, a, a number of different applications in which artificial intelligence are impacting and, are, and finding ways to enhance what products are doing for patients at the end of the day. And so with that, I wanted to share some concluding remarks and really leave some takeaways with you as you, as you finish off the rest of the week at, here at reInvent. And the first is, you know, again, security remains job zero for us. You know, a lot of what you've been talking to us about and the feedback that we've gathered from you is really around the investments and the roadmap that we should be shaping moving forward. You know, whether it's around our HIPAA program or whether it's around high trust and, our, and that shared responsibility program. You know, we're continuing to move down that path and we want to continue and engage with you to help drive a better understanding of what you're looking for as part of those. The second is around you know, the question that, that we're posing to ourselves as well as what you're posing to your, your customers at the end of the day are you know, really around with all the uncertainty that's happening in the market, how do you position yourselves to be more agile moving forward? And that's something that we challenge ourselves with every single day as well as what we're, customers are looking for every single day. And the third is really around our partners and the ISVs that we work with and how they're leveraging uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence to really drive forward with a lot of their product portfolios and how they're able to then drive that down to impact patients at the end of the day. And so with that, I would encourage you to attend a number of other uh, breakout sessions, the, the, the next one actually being in this room around architecting, health, architecting for healthcare compliance on AWS, and then my colleague Lita Sands um, providing the leadership session for life sciences and all the work that they're doing in that space. So with that, I wanted to thank you all. Um, you, know, I, you know, this is the start of a broader conversation. I talk to you, many of you, in a, on, a, on a monthly or you know, annual basis, and we should continue having that dialogue. You know, I look forward to engaging with all of you in 2019 moving forward, and can you having you shape our roadmap. Because you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be a partnership as we move forward to change this industry. So appreciate you all joining this morning. I look forward to seeing you guys all at the industry networking event tomorrow, sponsored by our partner, Cloudicity. And until then, have a great reInvent. Thank you.